Hello, welcome to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. My name is Matteo, and tonight I'll be the Working Man, and I am joined across the continent by Greg, who tonight will be the honest one. Hi, oh, okay, so I'm uh, only going to tell the truth, no lies. And I'm only going to talk about hard work, no no slacking off. (laughs) And we'll have everything covered. Yeah, welcome to the show. This, of course, is the... A uh, program where uh, bike racers talk about uh, all kinds of cycling and things they like and bikes and bikes are great and actually it's a special episode tonight because uh, this is our holiday gift guide spectacular where we're going to tell you where all the best products are that you can find and you know which corporations you should give your money to uh, to help that special cyclist in your life uh, achieve gift gift nirvana on Christmas morning or Hanukkah evening, or uh, you know, whatever you might be, whatever reason you might have for exchanging, or, or gifts. miscellaneous, or miscellaneous, right? Miscellaneous, just a and, just a solstice uh, gift, right? Solstice, Kwanzaa, uh, all those. Some of the boy, some of this the is stuff, not going well. Some of the we're stuff that we're kind of holidays. ignorant about. Um. <laughs> yeah. So actually, okay, maybe. <laughs> Maybe this isn't going to be a what to buy guide so much as kind of navigating that that minefield both as a cyclist who gets presents, you know, and how to ask for things and what you can ask for and what to what to give that bicycle loving person in your life. Like what can what can you kind of do? I don't know. What what do you think about this topic, Matthew? Do you have trouble buying? bicycle related things or do you have people buying you lots of bicycle related things and they kind of don't know what to do or or what's the deal i fortunately have never had anybody in my life who's like oh uh you're into bicycles and you do the 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 bicyclist racing right is is that is that is that right you are a a road cyclist racing person so i'll get you you're one of the guys who goes and does uh, shifter you, you could do the tour de france right yeah right I'll I'll buy yeah. you a wheel. Um, no, I fortunately I nobody close to me uh, who's ignorant about bike racing um, would try and buy me something for my bicycle or any of my bicycles, right. which is nice. And I would also never say, uh, "Gosh, mom, what I really want for Christmas is that new set of TRP cantilever brakes." <laughs> Cause come on, yeah, I feel like that's putting I feel like that's putting such a burden on someone who does not know or care, right? <laughs> you know, like going by, it's like how are they going to even find that? They don't know where to look. It's either doing that or it's saying, yeah, you know, there's a gift that I'd love, um, and I'll just send you the link and you'll just buy it for me. Yeah, that's unpleasant. It's, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think it's I think it's um actually, it has its place for uh big ticket items that um people wouldn't think of on their own and maybe it's hard to go into this without talking about like what kind of gift giving culture you were raised in or whatever um well that's true and you actually you raise a good point by talking about um you know big ticket items because i think that is often part of the problem is that you know bike stuff is often kind of expensive <laughs> even the stuff that isn't that expensive is expensive for bikes oh is yeah really expensive yeah. you know and people and that's part of why people think we're nuts right is because they said you spent how much on mm-hmm. a bicycle you know bicycles only you know you can get one of them for 90 dollars at walmart um <laughs> you know so when you're spending you know well i've never spent this much on a pair of wheels but you, you know you can eat you can spend 10 times that on a not super fancy pair of wheels mm-hmm. you know so that's part of the part of the challenge and, and i don't know about you but uh i i am rather averse to asking for really expensive things from people yeah even that i love yeah a friend of mine several years back um you know he was like he, he was getting into it and he was pretty good and he was getting to the point where he was a decent three and he was into training and learning and racing hard and all this and that and so he asked you know uh, most of the the major people in his life to kind of all all chip in and get him a power tap and a head unit uh so that he could train with power um 
And I think, you know, that's kind of one of those big ticket items where it, it sort of makes sense. You know, I, I, I don't yeah. come from a culture where I would say, yeah, you know, to, to one person, yes, I want a power tap or a power meter or, or this or that. And they would spend that kind of money on me. But I, I, this year, my sweetheart and I asked uh, a bunch of our parents to kind of all collaborate and buy us a really nice bag so that we could travel with a bicycle we, oh, on, a on an airplane. Um, so we received an Oru Case Airport Ninja bag, which lets you uh, disassemble a bike and wheels and put it in it and check it on an airplane without getting dinged with an unreasonable fee. I'm almost hesitant to talk about it on a publicly distributable media forum, um, but obviously the information is out there. It's not like it's a secret, but uh, but yeah, I, I look forward to packing my bike up in it and taking it on a plane and not worrying about paying an extra $200 just to get my stuff on the plane, which happened to me this past summer, and it was very unpleasant. Well, I mean, I, th I think that you better tell them it's something for a trade show then, because I, I think as long as it's a bicycle, they'll still charge you, but... Um, yeah, no, I did. It was United, was it, you know, it was US Air and, uh, they're, they're over, they're just very stringent about oversized measurements. Um, right. oh, so you're saying you can pack it down more in this, in this bag? Yeah. Yes, I can. I had a, I had a, a pretty good box this summer, but this bag, this Oru case airport ninja is extremely small. It's really cool. So that's that's pretty good. So I haven't usually. So what I've found that I've had the most success with, um, it, so I haven't really asked for big ticket items, ex, you know, except for <laughs> off sort of uh, out of sync with the holidays, really, mm -hmm. because the one time I can remember asking for a significant um, chunk of change for bicycle related things was more of a mid year thing when I had just like broken my bicycle and needed a new one and and, and asked my parents to. Uh, if they would be willing to chip in a few hundred bucks and, and uh, I might have even paid them back. I don't remember. <laughs> um, what I've found that I have a fair bit of success with is like soft goods kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I need wool cycling socks or I'd like a nice wool cycling cap. And that's, that's a nice thing because people can easily look it up. It's not too expensive. And they're the sort of things that I'm super lazy about remembering to buy for myself pretty much all of the wool cycling socks that i have are, are ones i've gotten uh for for presents for for christmas so you <laughs> you said the magic word to me which is uh wool socks um i live in minneapolis as you know some of our listeners most of whom are our friends uh probably already know um, no, 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 no. I, w I just want, so if listeners, if, listeners. if you've been browsing back through the back catalog <laughs> because, you know, you're listening to this mega popular cycling podcast called <laughs> The Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program, we want you to know that we have always been as popular as we are now. Uh, Hello, Oceania strangers. We've always been at war uh, <laughs> with to, whoever. To the hundreds uh, of people out there who are discovering the hundreds us for the of people first out time. There. <laughs> stay on message, Matty. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it's it's quite cold for about uh, 17 or 18 months out of the year. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I, I just want to say on that, it is cold. I can confirm it's cold. I've been there. I was there in February. <laughs> there was a heat wave. Yeah. It was like 20 degrees. Go on. <laughs> yeah. So I, I woke up this morning. It was it was 10, and I was like, okay, it's not bad. <laughs> right. And exactly. That's, Whereas I, in Boston... I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I I say that I say that with a straight face. It's it's I just went to the liquor store a few minutes ago to get some beer so that I could drink some delicious beer during this program. Sixteen degrees outside. It was like okay, this is nice. I don't have to cover up all of my skin. Um, what that means is that from November to April, including November and April, you just you have to wear like nice, warm, good, cozy wool socks on your feet all the time. You can't you can't wear those same little cotton ankle socks that you wear all summer long. You're, you're just you're gonna die. You're gonna die yeah, yeah, from hypothermia no of the ankles. Um, so well, the, more the rest wolf, of your feet, they're just gonna fall off, and then you won't be able yeah, to walk they're... home. 
Um, which actually, yeah, uh, that happens to people. It's not the ankle hypothermia and the foot falling off, but people. No, no, I'm sure that does. People die from the cold, and uh, well, yes, one must take great lengths to protect oneself from the cold, and those lengths include wool socks. But wool socks are expensive. You go on, you go on your internet web browser, and you type in nice smart wool socks or nice, you know, good thick merino wool socks or something and you're looking at like 20 bucks a pair 25 bucks a pair maybe even 30 well, bucks smart, a pair i think well yeah I, I also think that smart wool is you know woven in with the gold is sorry with the <laughs> well, sorry woven if, in with the wool is like cloth of gold or something greg if you or anybody else out there has a recommendation for some type of good wool sock that's not like a a a, a boot sock or a hiking sock that's something that's kind of like a wool, warm, winter weather dress sock um, that you can get, like, with some sort of bulk discount from some provider. I would, I would be ecstatic. I'd, I'd have to get on that. I don't know. I wish I did. Uh, honestly, the I don't even know how much the wool cycling socks I have cost. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, because you don't, you don't, you don't want to know. Because when someone gives it to you, it's like. Yeah, thank you. I just got a really warm pair of socks, and I don't have to think about how expensive socks are because you have to think about that, and all I have to do is have warm feet right now. That's it. That's it. That's great. That's great. I I feel like some bizarre hallmark of aging is just loving getting socks as gifts. But oh, maybe yeah. it's... I, I've already passed that <clears throat> threshold. <laughs> But maybe that's just a hallmark of uh, living in the inhospitable, barely civilized, icy tundra of, you know, the the frozen Northlands. It's it's true here too. I, well, I guess this is also also the frozen Northlands, but it's not quite as frozen or as north as Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I I don't actually know. <laughs> My assumption is that these soft good kind of gifts are less pricey. Uh, than say a power tap <laughs> or something similar. I, I have no way of verifying that for sure, but I feel like they're pretty safe. It, it seems like the other thing that you often end up with, especially kind of more unsolicited stuff, is sort of the, hey, you're a bike riding person. You're a you're a biker, right? You must like anything that looks uh, or so kind of resembles a bicycle. So I, here's some kind of I know what you're talking about. Chachka. You're well. Here's you're, the thing. No, you're well, talking. You're talking be... about a picture frame, and the frame is an old chain, and you're supposed oh, to put yeah. like a wedding picture or like a picture of you and like your your college pals in it, and you're gonna put that like on your desk at work. Sure. Or or I have a I have a novelty picture frame in my own home, mm-hmm. uh, which is. It's wood. It's, you know, it's not fancy, but whatever. Anyway, it's uh, a bicycle, and you put the pictures in the two wheels. <laughs> uh, well, I have well, I have, I have a confession to make, actually, mm-hmm. uh, Mario, which is that I, I'm a sucker for that bicycle <laughs> tchotchke crap. <laughs> I love that crap. I love it so much. It's like pair of socks with little bicycles on them i'm gonna be the happiest man in the world i love it i don't know what your i don't know what your procreation plans are but you're gonna be the easiest dad to shop for on father's day (laughs) i almost want to be your child just so i can get you ties with bikes on them every single year you get a necktie with a bike on it (laughs) and if you think i wouldn't wear them oh i would there is there's no question that I would wear those. So I love that crap. So for me, I think that you really got to know know the people that you're you're shopping for. Uh and, and maybe find out cuz that, you know, you might think, "Oh god, he's not going to want that stupid pizza cutter that's shaped like a, you know, an old penny farthing bicycle. That's just like so corny." Uh no, I I wouldn't I mean, I I already have like two pizza cutters, so I don't really need another one, but I wouldn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> if I got a bicycle-shaped pizza cutter. You know, I've got Christmas tree ornaments. I have the socks. I don't have any ties with bicycles on them, so thanks for that idea. I don't I don't work in a place where I need ties. That's but, good. But, yeah, I don't know. You know, you got... You really, you, might not... you really hit the nail on the head with you have to know your recipient. And here I'm realizing that, like, <laughs> I don't even know myself because as I, you know, 
ghostly insulted the picture frame that you love, I am realizing how much I loved when a friend of ours gave us a bicycle pizza cutter from Park Tool. (laughs) And I don't know why. It's funnier. It's, uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's more fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, why wouldn't wouldn't you want to cut your pizza with... (laughs) <laughs> with a pizza cutter where the where the blade is the big wheel you know and the handle is like the frame with the tiny little wheel behind it <laughs> yeah it would it could only be better if it were a motorcycle and i could make engine noises with my mouth while i was cutting my pizza <laughs> yeah you can only kind of make like chain noises or something which doesn't even make sense with that pizza cutter actually <laughs> Uh, if they still make that, we should link to that. I don't think they do. Really? They also, I don't, I don't think they make the toilet paper dispenser anymore either. Ah, Park Tool. Yeah, they might. I don't know. But Park Park Tool, for anyone who doesn't know, has a history of having these kind of little novelty tools, and they have, and they also have for all their tools, they have these alphanumeric designations, so that like a, I don't know, a a chain tool or something would be like CT one or CT two or something things like that and they actually have uh the same kind of designations for their kind of novelty yeah tools. the, their, the, the part pizza tool cutter. pizza cutter is the pzt2 yeah exactly <laughs> the pizza tool pzt2 uh it's perfect oh yeah so yeah i don't know uh, i don't really have any guidance to specific products even though that was sort of what we let in with but <laughs> maybe maybe the maybe the trick is i don't know like wacky sh- if your person likes wacky stuff or uh ask about the expensive stuff that somebody wouldn't really be willing to buy themselves you know i which i think those are those are the two guidelines for gift giving that i try and stick to anyway um i can't tell you how many gifts i've given that's like here's a nice chunk of meat and a really stinky cheese. And you know what? You're just going to sit down some afternoon and you're going to enjoy eating a stinky cheese and this really nice cured meat. Yeah. Um, yeah that's actually, that's well, that's perfect. That's yeah. a, a, a gift-giving philosophy of mine. When in doubt, stinky cheese. <laughs> uh, or, you know, or a bottle of wine. Booze is good, too. Yeah. So, you know, that's, like, that's... like or little little quirky things. Um, I saw this picture in a magazine that I thought you found funny. So I framed it and sent it to you um right uh our our dutch friends yeah our dutch friend sent us two hats from a harlem bicycle club because we're we're from new york so obviously the harlem neighborhood and then she sent us hats from the dutch club it's just funny you know oh yeah they'd be kind of like getting one of those old uh brooklyn hats exactly which are awesome by the way Mm -hmm. uh yeah in 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 general with respect to you know especially if you're going to go out and get a gift like this also kind of falls under you know be careful um this falls under in addition to gift giving sort of dr greg's relationship advice which is be (laughs) careful with the giving of the big ticket items depending on the kind of newness uh of your relationship because we've all heard heard that story of you know the guy who rides a bike you know who's got this girlfriend and uh (laughs) It could be the other way around, but it seems to especially go this way. And, you know, he spends like $400 building her a bike and, you know, then she doesn't ride it or doesn't want it or, or worse of all, she just is actually like two weeks <laughs> from breaking up with him. You know what? That's, <laughs> you know? that's funny that you should say that. I have a friend who maintains that uh, as soon as, as soon as uh, somebody builds a bike for their partner, like that's the death knell of the relationship for whatever reason he thinks it's heavily correlated with with <laughs> it's breakups. It's such a cliche. <laughs> it's like don't no don't do it. Like so many so many have died before you. <laughs> like you know what this means. Why do you think you're going to be the special one? Yeah, that that, that just falls under <laughs> just like it seems like basic relationship skills is careful about those big ticket items early on oh you and me of course not, you know not even you know, not even we're, early on i think married so yeah well not even early on but in general why would you spend a lot of money on something that you're not sure somebody else wants and the craziest story about this that i heard was of somebody who bought his mother a dog 
as a gift. Oh dear. And it's 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 too bad that I can't remember. Oh no no, it, this is this is a story. This this happened to my mother-in-law's friend. Uh her her son gave her a dog as a gift in a sort of like, "Hey, you're retired. You're going to love this dog." And she was like, "I don't want a dog." <laughs> This is this is not a gift. This is saddling me with a responsibility. Yeah, exactly. It's like here's your new job, <laughs> taking care of this dog. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to retirement. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's sort of like uh, falls under the Homer Simpson and the bowling ball kind of thing. You know, it's don't. <laughs> just, you know what I'm talking beer about? Beer just like, came out of my nose. Why, like. <laughs> sorry <laughs> no i'm not sorry that's perfect that's perfect uh yeah where, where it's like okay like you're into cycling like are you really so insecure that you need your significant other to to have the same love you know if if they do not like be cautious <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, it is it is buying a gift for yourself there's there's something so self-involved about that you know like, which maybe is why the relationship is ending when people build a bike for their significant <laughs> other who isn't into into cycling themselves. You know, it's like maybe, maybe, maybe you need to look past your own wishes a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. So think think about the other person. If if uh, you know, I mean, my lady doesn't race bikes. I, I actually did get her a bike for uh, Christmas as an early Christmas present, but you know, I didn't we've been together for a while now and she wanted a road bike. She knew she said, I want a road bike. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't like a surprise, uh, you know, and she's, she's getting more into riding bikes, but she sure isn't interested in racing, but you know, so uh, I, I don't know. That was I, a situation I, I guess, in which you yeah. knew. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is safe. <laughs> yeah. This is reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it seems it's, you gotta, you know, it's gift giving. You're supposed to get something that they would like. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Greg gives relationship advice. Is what this program <laughs> has turned into. It's funny that you should, because as you were as you were sort of as you were going through that, I was thinking about the the birthday gift that I got for Heidi uh, mm-hmm. earlier this month, which was a track sack filled with a bunch of extra track cycling gear track racing gear uh heidi used to race on the road a whole bunch when she was in grad school in new york and she had a couple sort of big seasons racing collegiate racing and then various work and other life stuff always conspired against her um and it wasn't until you know this year a good five or six or seven years after she started racing that she was able to put together a full season and so she raced at the track and had a really good time, had a really good season. Uh, one night in the middle of the summer, she was like, you know, I can I can win a race before the end of the year. I can win an elite women's race. And the <sighs> the funny. next race night, she won a missing out, which was really cool. But, you know, <laughs> track gear is is quirky in that, okay, it's a your your track bike has a single speed, a single gear at a time anyway, but... Uh, if you're racing different events and different types of events, you need different chain rings and different cogs and maybe even different handlebars. And sure, all of the cool kids have this this one type of track bag uh, that Velcro's closed and the zipper's closed. It's actually in my hand right now because it was sitting next to my desk. Um, that's the sound of the Velcro. And you keep different chain oh, rings wow. and different cogs and different tools. This is and good this. radio. <laughs> this is... I have got a face for radio, my grandpa always told me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so I got her a track sack and a couple extra chain rings. <laughs> is, the, is the long story short there. Um, and while that... while <laughs> I thought of that when you were saying, don't get gifts for people that are about your interests. <laughs> oh, right. It well, came. It know. came a little bit close to that, but I also know that it was stuff that she wanted. It wasn't strictly my interest. Right. I just I love well, the fact case, that she became a, a track racer. Indeed, it's a shared interest. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. It's all good. Okay, maybe we. Uh, <laughs> that seems that seems pretty well covered. Yeah, get thoughtful things. Uh, ask before spending lots of money. Uh, 
make sure that you know what's going on in your relationships <laughs> where you're buying gifts. Soft goods are nice, though apparently way more expensive than I realized. Yeah. So we should probably talk about the off-season. I do actually want to know, before we move on to talking about the off-season, um, you mentioned going to the liquor store. What beer did you get? You know, uh, this is perfect for bicycle podcasting. I got a new Belgium sampler pack. And earlier I was drinking a Ranger IPA. And now I'm drinking a new Belgium shift pale lager, which has a bunch of chain rings and cogs and chains right there on the label. Oh, of course it does. You know what else it has? It has right up in uh, discreet but clear text on the label. It says employee owned. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I like New Belgium. I like New Belgium. And while overall the... So I lived in Nashville for a number of years. Um, and so, of course, did my uh, lovely wife, Jill, uh, which is, in fact, where we met. Uh, we're really getting off the subject of the bicycles now. But anyway, uh, New Belgium was <laughs> available and distributed there. And it is not available and distributed in uh, New England. I Overall, this is not a big deal. That, that what's available is different because I think overall I kind of like what we can get here better. Mm-hmm. But that said, um, New Belgium was always uh, a favorite of mine. Don't let uh, the guys on Super Number One uh, hear you saying that you like Ranger IPA since they don't seem to think much of it. But <laughs> well, hold on a second. There's pro- I I am willing to say that there's important context for that, which is in the Midwest. And definitely in the upper Midwest, probably all throughout the Midwest, probably other places, not just in the Midwest, IPAs kind of reign supreme. And there is incredible depth and diversity in IPAs. So I can see a a medium-large, fairly widely distributed beer like New Belgium, their IPA being like, eh, you know, it's kind of like the Budweiser of craft beers. Um or whatever. And that's that's fine. There there's definitely better stuff out there, but it's also you know, I got I got a twelve pack for eleven ninety nine at the liquor store. And this is like mm. sufficiently fancy beer that I would like introduce it to my dad and, and pour it in a glass and, and look expectantly at him for his reaction. So <laughs> my my standards as as- there's there's so much uh decent and better beer in the world that stuff that's only mediocre is just fine. Well, as, as long as we're on the working man's honest beer program, <laughs> um, you mentioned the IPA thing and mm-hmm. I, I just have to say I'm a little burned out on IPAs. They're all using these cascade hops. They're all super grapefruity. Mm-hmm. I'm so over it. Everyone thinks that good beer means hoppy. Uh, or, uh, <laughs> IPAs are huge everywhere. Yeah. It's frustrating. I Ugh. I'm always pleased when I have an IPA that's that's really uh I don't know. I, delicately balanced is the phrase that I want to use, but I <laughs> I'm also aware of how I sound when I say that and I probably sound like someone who I'm not entirely. Um It's a nice balance on the nose and the palate. Yeah, you a, know, it's just a terrific a moderate mouth feel and body. <laughs> exactly. Um but uh, yeah, the whole the whole bitter and blow your socks off doesn't do it for me. It's more like, oh, this is surprisingly discreet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I I like that sometimes. But man, am I kind of over that being just like seen as what's a good beer? Well, just look at how many IBUs it is. You know, if yeah. it's over a hundred, it's it's a good beer. And it's like, no, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> There's, yeah. it's, I'm, you know, I'm just sick to death of these stupid, super floral, grapefruity hops. I, I kind of uh, am, because you come across them so rarely. Oh, God, we're going so far off the topic. <laughs> but I, I've developed an appreciation for, like, English-style IPAs uh, just because they're a little bit more controlled. Or or even just, you know, the American ones, like your Sierra Nevada, like, you know, they're, they, they haven't, before the days... You know, when they decided, we're just going to dry hop the crap out of everything. <laughs> then hop it some more. And anyway, all right. Okay. Is there a, is there a bicycle analogy or, or parallel that we can draw to this? 
Uh, oh no, I've got it. I've got it. Pipes? I've got it. I've got it. No, I've okay. got something good. So it's okay. nice. It's nice to put together a nice looking bicycle and and match some stuff. You know, match your handlebar with your saddle. Your your tires have a stripe on them that match the paint job on your frame. Something good like that. Awesome. But then when you've I'm got these... myself back. Keep going. <laughs> right. Well, it's, part of it is uh you know moderation. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, the trick to partying well is knowing when to leave. Um, but then you've got all these kind of mass-produced $500 fixies that have a frame that sort of matches the deep Vs, that matches the saddle, that matches the grips, that matches the tires, and it's just this vomit fest of matching monochrome nonsense. Uh, yeah, do you remember, are you referring to kind of the days of, it, kind of at the height of the uh, fixed gear craze when you could go to like Velo Space or places like that and people would have their bikes up and they'd be, or or I don't know, they'd be on uh, being made fun of on Bike Snob N NYC or what was that fixed gear gallery or something, you know, it'd be like, oh, I've matched everything, you know, and the theme of the bike is like red, so... You know, they found a red saddle, and the bike is red, and the tires are red. But it's not really true. Like, the saddle's kind of pinkish, <laughs> and it doesn't really match. And, you know, it's they're all like, oh, I love color coordination. It's like, color, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean everything's the same-ish color. Like, that's not, no. <laughs> I, I think what I'm thinking about is kind of the generation after that, which is when the sort of discount importer's glommed on to that fad and oh, and right. just yes. just took it and went like even worse overboard like took all of that awfulness and then mass produced it right in case people didn't didn't know uh me and maddie have opinions about bicycles we have we have opinions about bicycles <laughs> oh boy <laughs> maybe before we share more opinions we should uh i don't know Maybe you could tell me a little bit about what you're doing in the off season, because you know we we should probably not uh, make this episode last too, you know, forever. Yeah, I will. I will say that in the off season, uh, I almost feel the need to preface this by refuting Super Number One's podcast about how I'm soft by my lack of interest in training outside in the Minnesota winter. Um, uh -huh. By saying that, I'm spending my off-season lifting weights in a very cold basement that is filled with very large spiders, Greg. Eat it, Andrew! <laughs> <laughs> Andrew and that other guy who I haven't met yet. <laughs> I think his name's Kevin. Kevin. Seems like a nice guy. He seems, yeah, they're great. They're great. A little bit too obsessed with fat bikes. Hey, some some good people go astray <laughs> uh, anyway so yeah so so yeah you're lifting weights and we've talked about this a little bit in non-podcast land mm -hmm. um, but uh, i'm very intrigued by it because because it seems uh as though it might have a lot of benefits actually I, I wonder if you can maybe lay out some of what you think that's doing for you yeah well obviously the the trick with any training approach is figuring out what your limiters are and figuring out how to address them. So I realized in the course of my, my racing that uh, when I hit the point where I was getting a lot of second places to the same person, um, I needed to have... Is this on the track? This is, this is mostly on the track, yeah. And then, and then there was some other similar stuff going on on the road. I was getting a lot of third places and criteriums and field sprints that sort of thing um getting a lot of second and third places on the track to you know the same couple of people and i realized that i had all of the strength and all of the fitness that i needed i just needed a little bit more punch and power and i wasn't going to be able to develop that on the bike so i started lifting weights and specifically i started uh squatting and deadlifting and uh i started a little over a year ago, so the the last racing season was the first racing season that I did with some weightlifting under my belt, and um, it it made some some serious differences. I'm not I'm not gonna say that like I went from 
you know, all of a sudden went catapulting from a, a local scrub to a local hero or from a local hero to a pro or anything. But uh, I felt some definitive uh, greater ability to, to push the pedals uh, compared to previous years. My sprint was faster. Um, I felt like I was able to kind of grind big gears faster and longer and harder. And I had the race results to show for it. Um, which, you know, that uh, racing is tricky. There are a jillion variables, and obviously I changed much more than just weightlifting as a variable. So kind of speaking as a scientist. Uh... <laughs> it's not a controlled experiment. <laughs> it is It is all but a controlled experiment um, or anything else. But uh, in the spring, I, I, I won a race that sort of finished on this tricky uphill sprint and Earlier in the spring, I just I started the season kind of able to kick it a lot harder, and I was getting some decent results in some of the spring training races. And then when track season settled in, uh, I had a little bit more, and I had that kind of elusive little bit more that I had a hard time finding, or that I that I only found when I was in really good form previously. This past year, it was it was there a lot more. Um, I was able to race with bigger gears and I was certainly able to go to bigger and bigger events and do well. And my, my, my thoughts about lifting weights and, and how it uh, works for cycling is that when I got stronger and able to lift heavier pieces of metal, you know, it meant that in, in later bike races, anytime I was working hard, I was... I, there was there was a harder level that I could work before fatigue started to settle in. And I'm sure that people who are well-versed in training science could explain exactly what that means in clearer ways. But um, I, I just sort of felt that every hard effort was uh, more within my ability. Um, yeah. And and then also the, the other thing that was really great about it was that it was suddenly a really nice hour three times a week that I could I could build my training schedule around. In the winter here, it's hard to train um, because I don't particularly find it enjoyable to go for a training ride when it's below zero, um, and because there's something awful and mind-numbing about the trainer and because there's only so much law and order you can watch while on the rollers. <laughs> it's nice to lift weights and it just <laughs> there was a a really great um kind of I, the the first few months that I was doing it the the adrenaline rush of lifting weights was really really powerful for me. I would I could have a bad day, go down to my basement, squat and then and have this exuberant like yes, everything feels great right now reaction to it and i loved it yeah. i loved it you don't get you don't get the same kind of feeling from from kind of dragging out the trainer and kind of grinding away for an hour and a half exactly yeah which kind of just makes you hate your life more <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be perfectly honest yeah I've, and I've, I've been really intrigued with this because i've been thinking about you know uh my own particular uh weaknesses and you know coming up short in um you know in kind of strength and and in having some of that strength left say at the end of uh, an event mm -hmm. right like coming to the end of even even a 45 minute or hour long criterium and and still having some kind of snap mm -hmm. uh, to do something with you know it, it makes me think of uh, you know not to get into too much kind of training minutiae boringness but, you know, what's one reason that you work on developing your threshold power? Well, part of it is so that you can have higher threshold power. Um, but another part of it is that it bumps everything else up. You know, that you can, you can buffer your anaerobic stuff um, if your kind of top-end aerobic is higher, mm -hmm. right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I mean it means that every, every time you would have been going anaerobic and developing this, you know, greater fatigue, you're actually doing it. Kind of within your capacity now 
Right, exactly, exactly. It, it kind of raises your ability to do everything, and so it brings everything else up. So uh, I think that, you know, maybe there's a similar thing going on when you're doing the weightlifting that lets you have, you know, a little bit left in those leg muscles to, to sprint with. And when you're doing the kind of events that, you know, you and me anyway have kind of, I think, broadly similar um I don't know, abilities, right? In 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 that despite smallness, uh, we tend toward explosiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of tricky when you're, you know, 125 pounds or 135 <laughs> pounds at, at race weight. Um, because, you know, you're great maybe on an uphill finish, um, but, you know, if it's a drag race, <laughs> you, you know, you're just the raw power isn't going to be there. Yeah. And so you want to do everything you can to bring that up. You know, that's uh, that's exactly the point. And in the Midwest, it's it's flat and it's windy. And a lot of things are uh, somewhere between drag races and brutal grinds. There are a lot of time trialists out here. And uh, yeah. the, the best thing I can say about my strength is that I'm a survivor. And <laughs> when, when things get hard um, and I'm at my best, I'm I'm able to hide and hide and hide and grind on and just hold on and hold on and hold on until some terrible bitter end. And right. and that's not and I'm not even saying that like and then I have a race winning sprint. You know, it's no 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 no. It's like I've had yeah. really good races where I've placed 11th just due to the fact that I'm holding on when people who can outride me on a on an ordinary day have gotten themselves shelled. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. That sounds. So. So I'm. You know. Interested in doing some of this. So I guess with my off season, what I'm thinking right now is what what off season? <laughs> I just had my off season. I just spent you know three months convalescing from a second broken collarbone. So, you know, I'm kind of ready to get out there again and start doing things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually taking a maybe slightly different approach um, to to my I alluded to my particular um, limiters, which are you know I get to the end of a race and I'm I'm pretty much cooked, cooked, mm-hmm. uh, you know where I'm I'm empty. And one way of addressing that might be you know doing trying to incorporate some weight weightlifting. I want to do that a little bit, and, and I'm also trying to do a more traditional maybe not traditional is the right word, but a more kind of volumetric pace period Mm -hmm. you know interval training is all the rage right now and that makes sense because most of us don't have time to go and do like a 25 hour 30 hour like pro level week goodness that's not really possible yeah you know that's certainly not possible with going to work and all that stuff is not free right that doesn't cost no energy (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah you know it's it's different from when riding is your job that stuff actually does you know aside from time that just physically reduces the amount of work you can do but having a job is junk miles that's what you're saying i'm saying having a job is junk miles that is precisely what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) well this is this is a show for the working man and woman um you know, so so we want to acknowledge that most of us who are out there, you know, racing bikes are not not doing it for a living, um, and don't even necessarily want to be. Right? That so, is so true. Hold on, I need to interject. I need. I know you're making a okay. point, but I need to interject. Somebody on Facebook posted the the story uh, that the U.S. Um, national women's hour record was recently set by. And hold on a second, because I really need to look up her name because it's a little bit complicated. Uh, there was this news that Molly Schaefer von Hueling, and I'm not entirely positive if I'm pronouncing that correctly, von Hueling, von Hueling, I'm not sure, um, set the U.S. national women's hour record with 44.173 kilometers. So uh, my sweetheart posted this on Facebook, and a really good friend of ours responds, Oh, I'm taking a class with her next semester in my law school program because she's a law yeah. professor who just set the hour record. <laughs> that's really awesome. Yeah, we're we're working men and women out here, you know. That's true. Oh, that's especially true. That's like a whole other podcast, but you know, that's especially true for a lot of women professionals are kind of professional cyclists in, in that I guess they get paid to do it, or at least they get. Uh, entry fees and travel covered, but it's not 
their their one job. It is, it is not their Pretty job. Common. But anyway, oh boy, I think I've uh, under the influence of bourbon in that digression. I might have lost my train of thought. But <laughs> I I, I might that... have thoroughly derailed your train of thought, for which I apologize, Greg. Nah, it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, so I'm trying to. In the past, I've actually done a lot of um, racing on a relatively low volume schedule, mm-hmm. where I only recently. I spent a long time in grad school. It was a bad, bad deal. I, it was, it was not a good situation for me when I was in graduate school, um, and I didn't have much time to ride, so I really sucked then. Uh, but I was able to step it up a little bit, and by step it up, I went from like four hour weeks to like six hour weeks and eight hour weeks, and I was like, oh hey, this actually works a lot better. But you know, it was still like historically, if I do a twelve hour week, that's a big week. Mm-hmm. So. You know, my main thing that I'm trying to do for myself this year is just step it up a little bit where 12 hours is is not like, oh, that was a really big week. It's more like, okay, that was like a a week, and that's fairly, you know, normal to slightly high side of normal. That's really Uh, great. And, and yeah, I mean, it it really, yeah, and it makes, you know, there's diminishing returns, but it's kind of astonishing the difference even a little bit of extra time makes if you use it correctly. Right, so when I've told people this, oh, okay, I want to do more of a traditional base season, they think they think I'm saying, oh, you're going to ride around in zone two, for, you know, a few extra hours a week, and they tell me what a what a dummy I am, hmm. um, because that's not not good for you. But that's not really quite what I mean. Uh, that might be what someone who actually is doing one of those thirty hour professional weeks is doing at this time of year. But that's not very productive, even even if you're able to do twelve hour, fourteen hour, you know, fifteen hour week. Um, you're not going to see a whole lot from that except grinding yourself down. But if you can mix in some some long periods at higher intensity in there, all of a sudden maybe you've got, you know, at, at distances that actually look like a road race that I'm doing, right? So maybe a two or three hour, three hours is on the long side, but, mm-hmm. you know, two to three hour time period with some time at like threshold and, and maybe even above it. All of a sudden, you're you're looking at something that actually much more uh, closely approximates like a road race situation. Yeah. You know, rather than doing two by twenties or whatever forever. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it just doesn't resemble what you're doing. There's there's no more miserable type of training than going out and doing two by twenties. <laughs> I don't think there uh, is. And that's yeah. that's that's for amateurs. I uh, I went riding a couple times this fall with um, a kid who moved back to town after. Um, kind of spending a, a couple seasons as a on a I don't know if it was a pro team or a domestic elite team I don't really remember it was sort of a U23 team he was he was basically living living the pro life um sure and he went from being really fast to really really fast in that time but he also described getting kind of burnt out um and he he just told me about some of the weeks that he had being coached by somebody who has very sort of significant cachet in the pro world. And, you know, these, these 30, 32, 34 hour weeks that he was doing, I think he told me that he did like six 30 plus hour weeks in a row in his base season. And that's, you know, that's, it's a lot of riding your bicycle to ride your bicycle six hours a day, six days a week. And then rest. It's mind numbing. Yeah, that's really. I mean, that's part of the, the the other issue there is. And actually, I find any ride where I'm going longer than like two hours, I I get pretty bored. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what are you gonna do? Like, I was actually just talking to uh, a teammate and friend, um, guy down at uh, uh, my local shop, um, about this because because I was talking to him about he's pretty good at this training thing, so. So we were talking this over, and I was—he was giving me some suggestions on on what to do and and to add in, you know, some of that higher intensity stuff to make sure I wasn't doing it all at, you know, zone two, right? Um, and he said, you know, it's no fun. This is a guy who's pretty decent local bike racer, you know, <laughs> like he's knows what he's talking about. It's like yeah. it's mind numbing. It sort of sucks. Like, but that's getting faster is hard. Like you can. There's kind of no way to make it. This is so encouraging, right? There's no way to make it fun. Like you can go out, and and now it's really it's going to sound once again like we're calling out Andrew from Supernova <laughs> on this, right? With the Summerfest things, because this specifically came up. Like, oh yeah, you can go and get like the Summerfest videos, and they're going to be fun and stuff like that. And, da, da, da. and it's like, well, 
you know, but they're not, they're going to make you faster. They're not going to make you fast. You know, that's fun, but that's not what's going to push you to be better than you've ever been. It's, it's, it's brutal. Like sometimes I wonder like what's, what's the point. But then when you show up to a race and you're in form and just like the world is your playground (laughs) and you're just like hurting people everywhere, then you're like, Oh, I get it. That feeling that feeling is the best feeling. It is amazing. It really is incredible where you're just light on the bike and you're just like stepping out of the saddle on the little hills and people are just like scrambling for your wheel. I had (laughs) I had this pretty awesome. I had this one track race this summer and uh I was feeling really good and um there were there were these two newly upgraded guys who are both both nice guys. Um, they were young, like kind of just out of college and they were, they were getting good pretty fast, like this year, you know what I mean? Like, right. They won all the cat five races, then all the cat four races and all the cat three races. And then they were twos, that kind of thing. Um, and so, so they were in the field and I just, I, I kind of wanted to do this thing where I wanted to put my stamp of authority on a 60 the 60 lap scratch race on the track so a 15 kilometer race um and that was just like the day that i was on form and i yeah i i attacked and i got reeled in then i attacked and took someone with me and then i wasn't really going too hard and we got reeled in and then i just kept on doing this until people started to blow in the field and then i was away with the two other Two, two of the other fast guys in the field and we just we were riding away from the field and kind of one by one the rest of the field dropped out rather than try and chase us and i just and then <laughs> the race came down to the last lap and and i won in a sprint against my two breakaway companions but that was that was sort of that one race where i felt that i was feeling so good that i just attacked and attacked and attacked until I shredded the field, formed the breakaway that I wanted, and then won from it too. And that doesn't that doesn't happen all the time. And that's a good feeling too. <laughs> that's what? that's just that badass bike racer moment of like, oh that was me. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good feeling. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. I, I know that I'm trying to like figure out how to how to like talk about my own experience because I, I know that, you know, there there are some people who I know who kind of think that I'm like a, a track stud, but I feel like I'm just someone who's like scrabbled his way up into like being able to throw some punches against like far superior racers. And so when I, when I get some successes, they, they really feel like I'm, I'm kind of punching above my weight here. So that's sort yeah. of, that's sort of how I think about experiences like that. Little bit of David yeah, and Goliath I don't think action. I had quite like that. I mean, you know, my one time on the track was at New England and it was honestly a bunch of non racers and then there was me and you know how that goes. <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah. It was kind of embarrassing. Um not for them, for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Totally. <laughs> it was it was like, okay, I feel like kind of a jerk actually. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's just kind of the the best thing ever though, is uh, actually last year so a while ago now like you know march 2013 it's funny actually how that season didn't really end up working out for me but you know where i came in i i, I was well trained i went into this race it was actually just kind of a warm-up race i didn't really care about it it was this race in in north georgia and uh, just being able to just just throwing down for four 20 mile laps um just it was crazy it was like i i didn't i can't believe i'm able to do this you know like an attack would go and i'm following it just every time every time every time and ultimately that didn't actually work out because you know like i said long race you know it was an 80 mile race more or less and and you know i was i was toast when it finished up like this mile long climb and i i was already um you know, didn't manage to make a break, which was, was what I was trying to do. Uh, so, so anyway, got smoked on the hill and only came in like, I don't know, 35th or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that impressive a result, but, but that feeling nonetheless of like 
being able to just do things over and over again. <laughs> you know, it's like that's what I'm going for. That's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Oh boy, maybe we should uh call it a night. We could call it a night. We could call it a night. I there's I think there's there's one more point that I want to make because this started with, you know, off-season training and and weightlifting and kind yeah. of Yeah. Well, I guess always... I just want to say that, you know, off-season what off-season. <laughs> yeah, it's always going there's always there's always something to do there's always there's always what, something what to do saying? and i i think you know part of the key of the, the the working man's honest bicycle approach is that you know you got to figure out what's what's going to fit in with all the other things that you have going on um yeah and it's you know like you said you're you're it, you've had some past experiences of just struggling to to ride your bike four or six hours a week when you know, the real way to do it is to, to do those 12 hours a week. I was making right. uh, air quotes there with my fingers. Um, did you, did you, did you hear the air quotes? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I hear them now. You hear them, you hear them now. One of the things that I love about weightlifting is that it, it really helps me get that, that time and that intensity in a way that's, um, a lot easier to schedule than time on the trainer and a lot easier to work around the rest of my life than, you know, riding outside or commuting or doing two by twenties on the trainer all winter long, all those awful things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, and in, in, in to that point, uh, making that, oh boy, Ooh, I lost it again. Well, to that, that point, you know, to doing two by two by twenties on the trainer is hard, right? And then there's just, you know, what what are you able to do, right? Like, I have a really hard time getting up early in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes it really really difficult to say get out and get on my bike when it's twenty degrees out and there's like a bunch of rush hour traffic coming into Boston. Yeah, that sounds awful. Um, that's it's yeah. I mean, that's you know that is that's a real challenge. So you got to figure out when can you fit in the time. And, and right now, of course, that means getting home from work and hopping on the trainer, which is kind of also pretty terrible, but you know, it fits. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of what you, but, but then like, are you going to go and do two by twenties on the trainer? Well, I mean, geez, I've got, I've got neighbors downstairs <laughs> and I've got a cheap mag trainer. Like, am I going to subject them to that? It's, it's all about figuring out where you can fit it in. Uh, I'm not sure if I really said anything of, of with any meaning there, but you know there's what? There's a lot of constraints Here's, to work around. I I think that this has a lot of meaning because when when you go out on the, on the internet and you you learn how to do stuff, what you mostly hear is what you're supposed to do and all the ideal stuff, and all of that involves just a lot of sacrifices. And I think there are a lot of people out there who are, you know cat fours or threes or you know even scrambling twos who are trying to figure out how to be a bike racer not just last year and this year and the next year but for the next five or ten years or 15 years and you got to make it fit with your life and there are ways to figure out how to train so that it does what does that so that you don't have to sacrifice your job or your friend's birthday or your vacation to see your grandma or whatever you know yeah and there's got to be room for right exactly there's got to be room for more kind of lifestyles uh in talking about more lifestyles i i guess and how to fit it around that right because it's you know so much of what you hear is basically uh directed at or from i don't know i guess like middle class dads in houses <laughs> right where they've got oh you know but seriously and they've got like a basement or something like that or they've got you know whatever like they've got that extra room or or something like that and you know a lot of people aren't in that situation and it's harder when you're in a 600 square foot apartment you know in in like a really uh busy neighborhood in a, a major city yeah you know in like if you're in new york city for example and it's like well you got to go and do laps of prospect park in brooklyn or you know, that's pretty much all you've got except on the weekends when you can head out you know into new jersey or or you know onto long island so it's and 
there's yeah so much is directed as far like at ideal things so it's like well you should have a room that has this set up and this ready to go and it's like that's not necessarily the reality for a lot of people that's not the reality for me like you know we're going to be getting a house and that'll be great that's going to make my life a lot easier but <laughs> yeah i can't forget the fact that that's not that's not what i'm the situation i have now and not the situation that a lot of people have now and yeah. this is a hard sport it's really hard. It takes and a lot. A big part of what makes it hard is fitting it into your life. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different lifestyles that people have um, where they're trying to make it work. Yeah, there there are different approaches to it, and that's fine and good. There's yeah, <laughs> not everybody gets good following Joe Friel's The Cyclist Training Bible to the T. Yeah, well, that's a that's like a, a whole another hour long podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I just I just need a little bit more bourbon. We're cut then, off. Uh... No. <laughs> yeah, I've had enough bourbon. That was like a triple. <laughs> well done, sir. It's mostly gone. This yeah. week in alcohol. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no. We're not doing. <laughs> we're not taking every. <laughs> we were talking about it before we knew they existed we were it's fine oh this is too inside baseball we gotta stop let's not talk about other podcasts this is the only podcast this is the only podcast that you're listening to right now that's true the working man's honest you bicycle should... program is the that's only right. podcast you're listening to right now at least if you're doing it right <laughs> you should i do recommend actually for people who are of a, a working man's honest bicycle program but go go find super number one podcast Go listen to Super Number One. In fact, here's the other thing that I recommend. I recommend that the people who are out there listening to Super Number One also check out the Working Men's Honest Bicycle Program. Yeah, come on, guys. Seriously. The the reason I say that is because Andrew told me, and he showed me this proof, that they they have a fan who knitted them scarves that say Super Number One. Uh, We need that fan. (laughs) If you're out there, I was there. thinking about this. I was like, I was thinking that we want, oh, I, I, I want, I want t-shirts so bad, right? But like, we got to sell someone t-shirts. Well, I mean, of course, our millions of listeners know that <laughs> we've always had millions of listeners. But you know, uh, they're t-shirts. out there. We love, t- we we love t-shirts. T-shirts are a great oh. gift for that podcaster in your Twitter feed. Right, they are a good gift. Actually, I love. I'm addicted to t-shirts. It's a problem. You just, I know, I just, every time I see you, you're wearing one. <laughs> Actually, I think you've seen me twice. And <laughs> one time I was wearing a cycling kit, as you do in a bike race. And the other time it was in Minnesota. It was very cool. The other time you were wearing a whole building, which is my favorite garment <laughs> in Minnesota in the winter. <laughs> yeah, it was actually very comfy. <laughs> I like that building. <laughs> come back we'll go there again we'll wear it again all right yeah minneapolis is a good town i've been there a couple times and uh the first time (laughs) this is this is this is definitely like the christmas holiday special episode where greg has too much to drink (laughs) and we get all off topic and and we run really long and just talk about uh nothing (laughs) actually but the funny the funny thing is as uh as listeners probably may not know is that we we you and me of course have never have never uh, been in well except for a couple momentary times been in the same place at the same time yet yet we have both lived in the same place on one occasion just not overlapping yeah so it's a peculiar I don't know peculiar story we we are ships crossing paths in the night we're internet doppelgangers we are. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick a fork in this. I'm gonna declare that this <laughs> podcast is over. Uh, and thank you all so much for for listening. Uh, we love you so very much. Please knit us a hat or scarves. Uh, Please or knit t-shirt. us some wool socks for the love of God. <laughs> oh, man. Knit us wool we socks. Need, we need wool socks so badly. <laughs> My feet are so cold. <laughs> you can or the, or knit me some new knit me some new shoe covers. That'd Ooh. make me happy too. Uh, you can <laughs> you can get in touch with us uh, at honestbikeprogram at gmail dot com. Uh, please uh, 
Please, please, please rate us or review us on iTunes, unless, of course, you're going to give us one star. Please don't do that. That would make me really sad. Um, but if you're going to give us two stars or above, you know, go for it. And I am on Twitter, uh, at Grolby. And, Matteo, how about you? I am also on Twitter. I am at underscore Matteo, M-A-T-T-I-O. All right. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a happy holiday whatever holiday you celebrate or do not celebrate and uh, we'll catch you again soon good night catch you on the flip side listeners is the flip side still something that people say oh crap that was a terrible way to go out that was a terrible way to go out all right uh we'll just cover it up with the theme song theme song <laughs> <it> in. <laughs>